Adam said, my name is Jeff Scott. I'm a leader here, and it is a joy to continue our series through the book of Job. Uh, two quick announcements just as we prepare. One is for the young ones. I don't know if you hear the young one in the back. But if you have infants that are well, we have a nursery on the other side of this wall. Go out the, my left, the door on my left, and go around. You are more than happy to use that. There's some uh, some mothers, and I think one of my daughters is over there and would love to watch your kids. For nursing mothers, there's a room in the back there for you as well uh, to take care of your young ones. If you have a Bible that was handed to you, we are on page 270. We are continuing the book of Job. As a reminder, terrible things have happened to Job. He's lost all his possessions. His children died, and now he is in physical pain. Three of his friends are there trying to comfort him, helping him interpret his situation, and it's not working. Because if we remember, last week Peter says Job wants their kindness. They don't want them to fix the problem. They just want kindness. But they keep trying to fix the problem. We're going to continue seeing that in Job 8 this morning. Job in chapter 6 says, just show me kindness. And in 624, he says, show me where I'm wrong. Because that's what what his friends are saying. You're wrong. That's why these things are happening to you. How do you respond to someone as you're trying to help them and they're just sharing everything that's going wrong and they end with, I just loathe my life. I hate my life. How do you respond to somebody like that? Bill Dad's the second friend that's going to speak and he's going to pick up on Job just basically saying, I hate my life. God, leave me alone. The natural question is, at the top of your outline, as you see, is God just? Is God just? As you see on your outline, we're going to look at Bildad's speech. We're going to conclude. It's right there at the beginning. Bildad concludes God is just. Job's going to respond and just say, I don't think so. Actually, I'm going to conclude God is an unjust destroyer. And then we're going to end our time this morning. How do we piece this together? Who's right? Is God just? Because we're covering three chapters, I'm not going to go past half an hour, maybe a little bit. But we're going to use two tools to look at Bildad and then look at Job. The first tool we're going to look at is we're going to look at what is true. What is true and what they actually say. And after we look at that, we're going to look at how they misinterpret those truths. So keep that in mind, the two tools, what is true, and how they misinterpret it. And then afterwards, we're just going to reconcile that and say, okay, wait a second. Is God just? Job's friends are trying to help Job interpret his situation. And at the beginning of our book study of Job... Dan mentioned that his friends are trying to plug God into an equation. X 
or 2 plus 2 equals 4. This is how God works. And this morning, Bildad's speech is a good summary of what the friends are trying to do. It's a good insight into their worldview. Why are we going through the book of Job as a church? I think it's helpful for us. Because although a lot of us haven't gone through exactly what Job has experienced, we've had pain in our lives. We've had members of our church that live in constant pain. We have others that have struggled to have children. We've had some that have had difficult relationships and breakups. Maybe some of you have received an F on an exam you needed to pass. Maybe even our young ones, maybe that favorite toy of yours has been destroyed by another friend or a sibling. We've experienced pain as individuals. As a church, we've experienced pain, right? We've experienced the pain of just some members just deciding to leave. We've experienced the pain of some members moving away. In the months and weeks ahead, we're going to experience some pain as we transition to a new building. And we, although we haven't had this yet, and we praise the Lord this hasn't happened, we will experience a death in our congregation at some point. How do you respond to pain and suffering? How do you interpret God through the lens of what you're doing? I pray that as we look at Job this morning and Bildad and Job's speeches, that you you would come to a conclusion that God is just and that we can understand him more in the light of the difficult circumstances. So, ready to dive into Job? Remember, we're going to look at the truth of what they say and how they misinterpret it. Open up your Bibles. Let me read Job 8, 1 to 10. Job 8, 1 to 10. Then Bildad the Shudite answered and said, How long will you say these things? And your words of your mouth be a great wind. Does God pervert justice? Or does the Almighty pervert the right? If your children have sinned against them, he has delivered them into the hand of their transgression. If you will seek God and plead with the Almighty for mercy, if you are pure and upright... Surely then he will rouse himself for you and restore your rightful habitation. And though your beginning was small, your latter days will be very great. For inquiry, please, of bygone ages, and consider what the fathers have searched out. For we are but of yesterday and know nothing. For our days on earth are a shadow. Will they not teach you and tell you and utter words out of their understanding? First tool, what does Bildad say that's true? He starts right there in verse two, or verse three, I'm sorry. Does God pervert justice? The implicit answer is no, God does not pervert justice. God is just. We believe that. There's an innate desire in us for justice. I have four children. 
when something happens and I come in to assess the situation, my kids are very quick to make sure the right person is brought into account for the situation. If I ask my kids to clean up, usually one of them says, I didn't make the mess. I don't have to clean up. We all want justice. If that car goes speeding by you, you're like, where are the cops? We want justice. The truth that Bill Dad says is God is just. Unfortunately, that might be the only truth. Because Bildad quickly goes into misinterpretation. Do you see how God's justice works out there? Verses 4 through 7, you see a lot of if-then statements. A good summary of that, good things will happen to good people, bad things happen to bad people. See that in verse 4. If your children have sinned against him, he has delivered them into the hand of your transgressions. Did you catch that? Bad things happen to bad people. Job, the reason why your kids are dead is because they were bad people. Don't say that to someone that just lost their kids. That's not comforting. Bad things happen to bad people. On the other side, the flip side of that, if you will seek God and plead with the Almighty for mercy, if you are pure and upright, surely he will rouse himself for you. Repent, become good, and good things will happen. God is just, Job. You're experiencing suffering because right now you're a bad person. Just, just become a good person and things will happen good for you. Does that make sense? Do you find comfort in that? How do we interpret that? Well, let's take it to a logical conclusion. Who is the best person that ever lived? Jesus. Jesus suffered not because he was a bad person. He didn't die because he was a bad person. But Bildad's saying good, bad things happen to bad people. That's not helpful. Bildad is trying to help Job make sense of the situation. It's not working. Do you find comfort in that? In my own life, many of you are familiar with the birth of our son Silas. Um, others you are not. Silas, our youngest, who is 18 months uh, old now, was born four pounds, six ounces, full term. And as a result of that, he had trouble regulating his blood sugar level. And we spent several days at the hospital here in Mount Nittany. And they came to a conclusion they couldn't help him anymore. And so he had the most expensive ride ever um, of his life right now, an ambulance ride to Danville, where he was in the uh, NICU, the neo-intensive, the neo-infant care unit, intensive care unit, where he stayed for 12 days. 
Bildad's equation is, did Silas's time in the NICU a result of my sin? Was it a result of my wife's sin? Or maybe even Silas's sin? The equation breaks down. I was talking to someone about it, and they even look forward to the New Testament where the disciples asked uh, Jesus, did this man suffer, he or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus' answer is, no, that's not right. It was for God's glory. That equation just doesn't work. It should leave you unsettled. But at first, Job agrees with Bildad's assessment. God is just. Why did Bildad agree? You see that in 8 through 10. Because that is the historic tradition of thinking. That's what everybody thought at the time. But Job is saying tradition... Good things happen to good people. Bad things happen to bad people. Judging by what I'm experiencing now, Bildad, something is different. This isn't right. And Bildad and Job then concludes, judging by what I see, God is an unjust destroyer. Does Job's conclusion sound jarring to you? Before we look at, before we start dissecting Job's response, let me show you right from the text where I got that title. Chapter 9, verse 22. It is all one. Therefore, I, Job says, he destroys both the blameless and the wicked. That's where Job concludes that God is an unjust destroyer. But let's go back a little bit. Let's use the tools again. We're going to look at what Job says is true. And then we're going to look at how he misinterprets it to get to that conclusion. Follow along with me as I read chapter 9, verses 1 to 22. Chapter 9, verse 1. Then Job answered and said, Truly I know it is so, but how can man be right before God? If one wished to contend with him... One could not answer him once in a thousand times. He is wise in heart and mighty in strength. Who has hardened himself against him and succeeded? He who removes mountains and they know it not. When he overturns them in his anger, who shakes the earth out of its place and its pillars tremble? Who commands the sun and it does not rise? Who seals up the stars? Who alone stretched out the heavens and trampled the waves of the sea? Who made the bear and Orion and Pleiades and the chambers of the south? Who does great things beyond searching out and marvelous things beyond number? Behold, he passes by me and I see him not. He moves on, but I not, do not perceive him. Behold, he snatches away. Who can turn him back? Who will say to him, Why are you, what are you doing? God will not turn back his anger. Beneath him bowed the helpers of Rahab. And then, how then can I answer him, choosing my words with him? Though I am in the right, I cannot answer him. I must appeal for mercy to my accuser. If I summon him and he answered me, 
I would not believe that he was listening to my voice. For he crushes me with a tempest and multiplies my wounds without cause. He will not let me get my breath, but fills me with bitterness. If it is a contest of strength, behold, he is mighty. If it is a matter of justice, who can summon him? Though I am in the right, my own mouth would condemn me. Though I am blameless, I am I'm sorry, though I am blameless, he would prove me perverse. What do we see? Actually, let me read two more verses, 21 and 22. I am blameless. I regard not myself. I loathe my life. It is all one. Therefore, I say, he destroys both the blameless and the wicked. What is true in what what Job just claims? He looks at God's justice and he says, God is mighty. God is mighty. You see that in verses five, he removes mountains. He overturns them in his anger. Verse six, he shakes the earth. The pillars tremble. He commands the stars and it does not rise. He seals up stars. He's using language that is devastating. God is shaking up his creation in a hard way. Things are not peaceful and quiet. Rather, it seems to Job that God is wreaking havoc and turmoil. That's one truth we see. Another truth we see was right there at the beginning. We see God is mighty and he answers Job's or Bildad's question of how can God pervert justice? He says, how can man be right before God in verse 2? How can people be right before God? He looks at good things happen to good people, bad things happen to bad people, and it doesn't make sense. He says, there's no good people. We're all just bad. We can't believe it. No one is good enough before God. No one's good before God. God is mighty in strength. He's shaking up his creation in a hard way. Have you felt that way? That you can't do anything good before God? That your life is in shambles? When Silas was in the NICU for 12 days, it was hard. It was hard for me. I'm sure it was hard for the rest of our family. I commuted back and forth to Danville pretty regularly. It was tough leaving in the morning because... Oftentimes, several of my kids are saying, please don't go. When's mommy coming back? When's Silas coming home? And I couldn't tell them. There was a couple days in which we were waiting 24 hours for his sugar levels to be consistent. And it was the last one that was always low. So you're like, oh, he's coming home. He's going to come home. Another 24 hours for several days. 
So it was hard. How do I care for Amber as she's out in Danville? How do I care for my family and care for my kids while they're here in State College? How do I care for them? Life was in turmoil. The pillars of my family were being shook. It felt like I was getting overtaken by waves. Does your life feel like that? Do you feel unsettled? You don't know what's going on? Job is saying, no one can be right before God. God is a mighty destroyer. What's one more thing that Job sees is true? You see him making a plea multiple times. I am in the right. I am in the right. He says it four times. Verse 15, verse 20, and 21. I am in the right. This is something we've seen already in the book of Job. Multiple times. Job is in the right. So Bildad, good things happen to good people, bad things happen to bad people. Job says, "Uh, you know, I think just bad things happen. There's no good. How do you, does Job interpret this situation? I read it in verses 9, 16 to 18. 16 to 18, God, Job sees and interprets it. God just crushes and condemns people. He doesn't listen. He crushes with a tempest. He multiplies wounds without cause. And he fills Job with bitterness. And then Job says in 19, we can't contend with God. If it's a matter of strength, God's far stronger than me. And we saw in the first several verses of chapter 9 that God is just wreaking havoc. He is turning things upside down. And if it's a matter of justice, I'm in the right, but you know, verse things, it's a matter of justice. Who can summon him? Verse 20, my own mouth would condemn me. He would prove me perverse. He would prove me wrong. And Job's conclusion, as he sees this, is nothing good can happen regardless of being right or wrong. God will just destroy. That's where Job lands. He sees God as an unjust destroyer. God is destroying a lot of things and he's destroying Job. Do you feel crushed by God? Recently, during the cold spell, our pipes froze. My first reaction was to say, God, come on. This isn't fair. This isn't fair. Why do my pipes have to freeze? 
trying really hard to, pro to provide for my family. I'm, I'm trying hard to, to provide the finances we need to pay our bills and things like that. And I'm trying to use my time wisely. And because our pipes froze, I had to spend the entire day. We woke up at 6, no water. We didn't get water until 8 o'clock at night. I know other people in our church didn't have water for a couple days because of the frozen pipes. But I had to sit there. I had a hairdryer shoved up in the joist, just blowing down the length of the joist where I knew it was frozen, and I had a portable heater in the closet where our water came in. The two probably least cost-effective ways to try to melt the pipes. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, how am I going to pay for this electric bill? What do I do if these pipes burst? And I was trying to think, oh my God, I'm a good person, relatively good person. Why do I have to spend the time doing this? And I wanted to conclude, God, you are unjust. This is unfair. Why me? He's just destroying my day. Do you feel that way? Is it quick for you to say, God, this is unfair? That's what Job feels like. Where do we go from here? How do we respond to this? Job tells us how we can respond. Continuing on in chapter 9, Job gives us three ways, beginning with verse 27. Let me read it. If I say I will forget my complaint and I will put off my sad face and be of good cheer, I become afraid of all my sufferings, for I know you will not hold me innocent. I shall be condemned. Why then do I labor in vain? If I wash myself with snow and cleanse my hands with lye, yet you will plunge me into the dip, uh, into a pit, and my own clothes will abhor me. For he is not a man as I am, that I might answer him, that we should come to trial together. There is no arbiter between us who might lay his hand on us both. The first option of dealing with a feeling of an unjust God is right there at the beginning of verse 27. Just be happy. Just ignore the problem and be happy. Right? I could have ignored my pipes. Things would have gotten a lot worse. Pretended to be happy. Job tells you it's not going to work. I will put off my sad face and be good cheer. But I become afraid. The suffering is still there. So, that won't work. So what do I do? I'm going to repent. If I wash myself with snow, verse 30. And Job is saying, that's not going to work either. Why? You will plunge me into a pit. God's still going to find something wrong for me to be guilty of. So the third option is I need a mediator. But Job at this time doesn't see one. I'm man, Job says, and God is God. 
Verse 33, there is no arbiter between us. So Job, with this unjust destroyer he's seeing, is saying we have the option to be happy. That's not going to work. We have an option to repent. That's not going to work. I need a mediator. But I don't see one. So how do you respond to it? Job comes to the same end of his conclusion in 10.1. I loathe my life. He hates his life. But yet, just as he did in the previous speech, he continues And he continues talking to God. We don't have time to read chapter 10. But I wanted to highlight, he keeps asking God questions. The first question he asks is, why are you against me? God, I, I want to understand what is going on. And he does it in such a good way in, in verses 1 through 3. Why are you against me? Why am I experiencing pain? The next question, he says, why do you have me under the microscope? God, why do you have your eye on me? Why are you searching to see any sin that's there? And that was four through seven. And then... In 10, chapter 10, 8 through 17, Job says, why did you even create me? Why am I even here? Have you ever felt yourself saying those things? Job concludes, God is an unjust destroyer of good and bad people, and he currently doesn't see a way out. So Job makes one final plea. In 10, chapter 10, verse 20. God, I loathe my life. Why am I here? Why are you, like, why are you have me under the microscope? And why did you even create me? You know what? Just leave me alone. Verse 20. Are not my days few? Then cease and leave me alone that I may find a little cheer. Is this your plea sometimes? Do you say, God, just leave me alone? So our question is, is God just? We've seen Bill Dad say, God is just. Yes. He cannot pervert justice. But he misinterprets that to say, because God can't pervert justice, good things happen to good people, bad things happen to bad people. Job says, no, God is an unjust destroyer. Bad things just happen, whether you're good or bad, bad things happen. How do you make sense of this? Adam alluded to it during worship. Job and his friends don't necessarily have the full scripture. 
We're not sure how much they knew. But Paul gives us helpful information. We are not going to turn to Romans, but I wanted to highlight some of what Paul says in Romans. What is true? Bildad is correct. God cannot pervert justice. You see that in several places in Romans. Romans. Verses two, or chapter two, verse six. God's judgment on God judges everyone according to their works. Verses eleven of that chapter, Paul writes that God shows no partiality. In chapter three and nineteen, Paul says the whole world is going to be held accountable to God. God cannot pervert justice. But Job is also correct. Man can't be right before God. Romans 3, 19, For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in God's sight. Romans 3, 23. I know several of the kids probably have this memorized. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Job is also right. God will destroy things. In chapter 1 of Romans, God, Paul writes that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. In chapter 2 of 5, God's wrath is being stored up for the day of judgment. God will destroy things. God is a just God. No one can be right before Him. And he will destroy all unrighteousness. We can't be happy just pretending that. It's okay. We can't pretend to be happy before God. We can't just, oh God, I'm sorry for this. Okay, let's move on with life. There's still sin there. The last option Job gave was to find a mediator. Job almost got it right. We're going to continue going through the book of Job. Job is going to come back to this point of a mediator a couple times. He's going to be processing through it. God does provide a mediator. We read it this morning in Romans. Jesus Christ. Romans 3.21 Chapter 3, verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Jesus is the mediator between us and God. How does this fit into the entire book of Job? The main point of Job is the fear and trust of God. Job gave us plenty of reason to fear God. He's an un, he's a destroyer. He's a, the creator who wreaks havoc. What about trusting God from Job 9 and 10? 
Job trusts that God will just, just is not just and is just destroying things and there's no hope. But yet in James 5, Job is commended to be steadfast through suffering. Job is wrestling with trusting God. How can we trust God? In situations, if you're suffering, if you're going through pain, run to Jesus. Go to Psalms. Go to Job and say, I feel this way. But as Job does, cling to Jesus. Keep going back to God. We're going to be singing a song in a little bit. Jesus, our only hope. If you see people suffering, first off, don't tell them their children died because of their sin. Not good. But as we looked at, listen to them. Peter looked at this last week. Listen, show kindness. Don't rush to give instruction to fix it. Instead, point them to Jesus. Saying, yeah, I know you're suffering right that's hard. What is the Lord doing here? It's okay to wrestle with God. It's okay to bring him questions. But in the midst of that, don't let go of Jesus. Cling to him. Because as we're going to sing, he is our only hope. Let me close our time with prayer.